Welcome to RPG Ramblings with Jeff Jones. This is a weekly show exploring the various details of the tabletop RPG hobby through discussions with interesting people. This week, Jessica Doble joins me to talk about editing. Jessica was a copy editor for Scoundrels, my zine. We discuss what editing is all about, and I share my experience of being subjected to her editor's pen. As with most of my interviews, this is my first time meeting Jessica, and we discuss her academic interests, especially how modern folklore is manifest in the play-by-post role-playing story games on fandom.com. It is time to get rambling. Hello, Jessica. Hi. Hey, thanks for joining me. So you were the person I reached out to for uh, being a copy editor uh, for my Scoundrels uh, Kickstarter project, the three zine project that I had out. Um, As I was writing it, it it became pretty clear uh, that I needed some extra assistance in that regard. Um, It's you know, it doesn't take me very long to realize that that my mastery of commas, you know, leaves a little <laughs> bit to be desired. Um, and we can talk about that in a little bit. But uh, so, Jessica, uh, what is your background with RPGs? I have actually a little background with RPGs because I have researched them, but I haven't actually played an RPG. So I think that's something that I need to do. So, okay, so you've done research on, uh, and this has been uh, electronic RPGs or tabletop? So electronic. So I um, did my dissertation on online fandoms. And fanfiction.net has this space where you can create a forum. And people have started playing RPGs um, in that space on that platform. And so I focused on fairy tale fan fiction and people who are playing RPGs as fairy tale characters. So what particular games are the electronic games that have people playing uh, fantasy characters? Or you, you didn't say fantasy. What did you say? What kind of characters? Fairy tale. Fairy tale. So what kind of games that are people playing online that are have fairy tale characters? So it looks like they're kind of playing adventure games. And so they sometimes they're themed like heroes and villains and so you can pick a hero or a villain character and in fairy tales you don't have to like adhere to that so sometimes the hero in the fairy tales that we know and love becomes a villain in an rpg and so they have they build the character sheets and then you can either kind of play by like sentence by sentence so one person will write um dialogue or action so it's a play by post is what really what you're 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 yeah. reviewing here. Okay, so that goes way back. Uh, so okay, <laughs> so this is a play by post RPG community. Yes, yes, and, and it's centered around. Uh, so it's centered around fairy. So is the fairy tales like the kind of the standard, or are they like standard like like that we know, or are they they center on? Um, like maybe various regions or various uh, cultures? The ones that I studied were uh, mostly European. So a lot of just like the Grimm's classics or, you know, Little Mermaid or things like that. And so they depend on, it depends on the group and so how much they adhere to that. And so 
how much play that you get with the characters themselves just depends on um, what group is playing and who you are. And so, and then, uh, you know, it gets even more creative from there as you're playing. Yeah, I can imagine. So, you know, in our, I guess, parlance, it would be, those would be considered story games. And mm -hmm. so those are probably, I'm assuming, are they, is there like a set of rules or mechanics or is there, or is there some other way things are determined? Yeah, so each forum determines that. So there's usually like a leader who builds a forum and then other people join it. And so they can, they can either like, as a group determine the rules or the kind of, I guess you would call them like the game master would like determine those rules. And then the character sheets are actually really important because it like, since you're not all together. And so the character, so because each person is in charge of their own moves, then they, you know, they play off of one another, like the character sheet that they have, and then they play off one of another, whoever's online at the time. And so it's really kind of this fluid game that gets played in this like post by post way. So the post by post then isn't like I post and then tomorrow I check to see what the results are. It is actually like, a, is it a discord server that people are using now? Is it like a rapid back and forth or is it? You know, so just, thought out? It just depends. I know I keep saying it just depends, yeah. but. <laughs> no, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so Usually like it depends on how active your group is. And so it's not on um, it's not on a separate platform. It's on fanfiction.net, which is, you know, first and foremost, a platform where you can publish fanfiction that you've written and you can read fanfiction. And then there's this kind of secondary function that is this game playing that people sometimes like, you know, the forum in a fandom could just be used for discussing, you know, the media, discussing things that they like. It can also be used for these this gameplay. Okay. Yeah, I guess that's, I mean, that really goes even way back to the 70s when people would, mm -hmm. would play, you know, through, um, I can't remember, is it IRL or something like that. There was, there's a means of posting or through email. And that even goes back to like probably war games and then even, even chess, people doing it by mail. So, yeah. it, so I mean, it's kind of interesting. So it's kind of funny how the technology has improved, but we're still utilizing, I don't want to say old technology, but it's still a viable means of interacting with people. Yeah, we, we don't stray too far from those like storytelling moves. And no matter like the platform, we can still, you know, play in the same ways. And I do think that's really fascinating. And, you know, depending on how you want to update it, because, you know, fandom evolves all the time. And so it's not even just um, fairy tales, like other fandoms, you know, with popular media are also playing these games in a similar way. So. Yeah. And I think that's kind of interesting and in, in it comes down to, you know, how uh, things are resolved because, um, you know, so you can go through like something like say D and D, which has a lot of rules to it. And mm -hmm. a lot of things are kind of codified and everything's done. And then as you can probably move into like say a LARP, where there's there are still rules. They may even yeah. have mechanics. May even be rock paper scissors. Yeah. But there are some sort of mechanics, uh, and in here uh, it sounds like a lot of this is kind of by consensus. And mm -hmm. um, so, is there like, in general, is it basically people? Uh, is the rules mainly that you would do certain things in a certain way, and you keep between the rails? and that nothing's necessarily randomly determined or 
you like say, I want this result. Somebody says, okay, then we can negotiate that. I mean, how are those things resolved where you want something and somebody else wants something? Mm -hmm. There's a conflict, maybe not between you two as, as players, but, but the two characters. Yeah. So it really depends on, you know, having trust in the people that you're gaming with, because if you're trying to set up, you know, so I've seen games that kind of one person says, I see um, something red in the forest. And then another game player can either like ignore that or go a different direction. And then the person tries to bring it back to the thing that they saw in the forest, but that person just didn't pick up that thread. And so I think it depends on how much your posts are like allowed to be expansive. So some I've seen are like paragraph long posts and some are really just one line of dialogue or an action and that is all that you get to like move towards something and so it's really depends on the community that you're playing with so it's kind of more like improv in a way it is it's very dependent upon improv yeah and how you can kind of negotiate with them so how'd you come across this community i mean was it something you 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 had an academic interest and fell into or would you fall into it then had an academic interest Yes, I um, had an academic interest. So my background, I actually started. So I started in English literature as my bachelor's and then moved into ethnology and folklore um, with storytelling and then moved into online fandom storytelling. Oh, oh, okay, wait a minute. Let's back up. So, <laughs> so ethno ethnology and folklore. Yes. So can you unpack that a little bit? I can, yeah. So folklore, um, you can kind of think about it as like, the things that we know, the things that we do, we make, and we believe. So folklore can be anything from how um, you knit to birthday rituals to religious beliefs. And so, yeah, so just like anything that you feel like you could think that's like not housed necessarily like in an institution that you learned in school or like something that you learned from your family or from your friends, these are all kind of the things that are like folklore that we would cover. And so you probably, one doesn't necessarily realize that how steep they are in folklore until they're out of their setting, right? Yes. Yes. We, people are like surprised. They're like folklore is just like fairy tales and myths, right? And that's just yeah. like not true. It's like folklore is basically kind of structures your life. So I always assumed that peanut butter was a universal food that all people everywhere enjoyed. Yeah. And then I worked with some people from India and I realized, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> yeah. And then I yeah. also met some people from China and that's like, you know, you know, you know, cheese, no, no cheese. They don't like that. Yeah. So, I mean, so I think the idea is, you know, how we tie our shoes, our habits when we get into the house, our habits mm -hmm. when we greet each other, probably those types of things all kind of culturally kind of fall into that sort of that thing. Yeah. And they're both, you know, can be as small as like your family. That's like your immediate family, or it can be as big as like nationally. We all have decided that we um, sing the national anthem at sporting events. Like that's like folklore. We kind of just like decided that together and we like taught it to our children. And so our children know that is something that we do. And so it has become folklore because that's something that we just decided together that would be a ritual for us. Well, and I think the thing too is if you kind of think about like a post-apocalyptic uh, group coming across some old videotapes, you know, they would see this, scratch their heads, and wonder yeah. what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like... 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's great that you brought up like different cultures because it's so culturally based too. And food is a great example of, you know, something that is like so culturally based that, and you don't think about it because it's just what you do. But when you are taken out of that context, it's very different for other people and other groups. So, so it sounds like in a sense, the idea of folklore uh, has kind of expanded maybe in its, in the way it's thought of right over, it sounds like to me over generations. Um, yeah, so it kind of started in like the late 1800s where it kind of became a scholarly field and has grown from there about what people are studying. And then I'm trying to bring it into the online platform, which it still hasn't really reached yet. Um, but it's getting there, it's getting into the online folklore that we do. And fandom is just rich with folklore because we all decide as fans in a group, in a community, you know, the rituals that we have and we do like group watches and these kinds of things that all make us feel like we're in a community and the folklore kind of helps us feel that way what's a group watch oh so like you know people um the tv show comes out on thursday night and everyone watches it together on twitter and you use the hashtag to like talk to each other and handles and you tweet um the show runner or the the official account. And so it's kind of this like really complex social media um, frenzy that you can all watch together. Like I did it with um, Roswell, New Mexico. Um, And so we did like Twitter and Tumblr and we just like watched at the same time and like tweeted each other and kind of built a community from there. Okay. So I guess the question is then, because you're now, so when you went to the the folklore and I, so when you studied that, I mean, what what sort of things would you be looking at academically when you're looking mm-hmm. at your classes? Yeah, so I actually, so I did my degree in Scotland. And so it was really um, steeped in Scottish culture. And I was interested in storytelling. And so, but we also included, um, so things like making things like boats. There's a lot, um, it's like a boat building community that's a little farther north of Aberdeen and um, like legends and food and ethnomusicology. So like, that's kind of like music that isn't like, it's not like classical music that's taught in like orchestras or something more like um, people just like getting into groups that like they have like folk singing clubs and those kinds of things. And that's, so those are the things that I would have been studying, I was studying in Scotland, but all kind of in the Scottish context. Right. Which, which seems like we've lost something in America. Yeah, <laughs> it feels like that because you're in because you're in it. So folklore kind of like makes itself invisible because you're so used to it. And so only when you kind of defamiliarize is when you're like, oh, all of this is like folklore and it's taught to me. Well, I think what what's happening with the communities you're talking about involved with is the fandom is you it is bringing groups of people together but it just seems mm-hmm. like for quite a while the the technology actually did the opposite yeah but and I, I think fandom is like a great opportunity and a great um thing to look at for how communities are built that's interesting so so did you have so is all the work that you're doing is that just based on your observations and stuff that you're able to pull or does like fandom allow you access to numbers or anything like that 
Um, I usually build my own numbers, but people, there are people on the internet who are also working by building statistics. So there's, um, a user called her name, her like handle is called toast. And she comes out with like either monthly or every other month. Um, she has fandom statistics that she shares of like trends. And so I pay attention to that. And then there are some Twitter accounts that also do like they do daily trends. So like the top five hashtags that were used. So like hashtag save Sanditon could have been trending like number two. And so right. they've gathered that data. And so there are other, we call them, we kind of call them like fan scholars who are also doing similar work. Um, but also usually it's outside of the academy. So they're just doing it because they're interested in it and they have a background in statistics or a background in media and they are sharing their expertise online. So I would assume that Toast is either she's doing it or somebody's like pulling that data out of that, putting in a database and aggregating it and sorting it mm -hmm. and spewing it out. That's that's a lot of sophistication going on there. It is. Yeah. And, you you know, knowing how to use like Google Analytics and those kinds of things. Oh, I didn't think about that. Right. Because yeah. we've already wired ourselves into Google. We we, we willingly yeah. just wired ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Into the... Yeah. We're plugged in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If, if anybody wants to know what sort of information you're pulling, you can get into a Google account, get analytics, some sort of business and you can. You can 100%. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. And, and even with Facebook, if you ever just want to advertise something, you also realize what sort of selectivity you can get. So if you yeah. just want to market, I only want to market, you know, women between the ages of 18 and 35 who do this mm -hmm. and this and this and this. And you can keep it's crazy with it's the very level. sophisticated. Yeah. And that's all stuff we gave we, we gave to free because they gave us free products. Yep. So Yep. <laughs> Absolutely right. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which is, you know, the danger of the internet, but I can't be too mad at it because, you know, I'd be out of a job. <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, is, you know, as much as we like to complain about Facebook, it's free and it's all voluntary. And we, we try to pretend that sometimes it's not, but it really is. Everything is, yeah. you know, I think even though they, you know, it could be quite demonstrated that they are able through, um, through time and you know the was it a b marketing or, or tests or whatever they can dial into what makes us watch what makes us stay but still mm -hmm. ultimately we're the ones that choose to death scroll through facebook when we're bored yeah and that is definitely something that um fandom scholars are interested in is like understanding those kinds of things that make people watch because it's all it's all like really about what we like right and and when we click on things and we engage with things, we're telling the software what we like. And so, oh, yeah. Um, we're, yeah, fandom is definitely poised to investigate those things. So like, it's not saying that, you know, this is good or bad, but like, since since this is the world that we exist in, right? right. <laughs> we have, we should study it because millions and billions of people are using the internet every day. And so what are those practices? Yeah, there's probably been no easier time in human history to study human behavior than it is right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so you went to Scotland. You're like, you okay, did. I'm studying boat building. <laughs> I'm studying people, uh, folk music. I'm having a grand yeah. old time. And uh, I'm, so you, then all of a sudden you're like, mm, I think I need to move into phase three. So what was phase three? 
Yeah. So phase three was my doctorate. When I came back from this, I came back to the States after a year there and I was working at a bank and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. So let's go for your doctorate in English. And so that seemed like a good idea at the time. And so I went to Louisiana for my doctorate and, um, there I was teaching and researching and, and that it was then that I kind of stumbled into fandom just because I can't even remember, actually, I think I just like read something that mentioned that fandom was a field and it's been a field since like the nineties would be like a scholarly field. So it's not very old. And so, um, it seemed like the perfect marriage of my literary interests and my community storytelling narrative interests. And so it kind of grew from there and no one that, um, none of my professors were fandom scholars. So I kind of taught myself how to move into that field. So, uh, so I'm guessing your, 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 your professors are older people. A little bit. And you say, <laughs> you older say, than me. How about that? Older what do you than know? me. <laughs> yeah. What do you say? Yeah. Good, good answer. <laughs> and so you go to say, you know what, what do you know about fandom? And they say, you mean fandom of Marvel? Like I'm confused. <laughs> yeah. So one of my professors, um, she kind of, her interests overlap. And so she was aware um, of fandom scholarship. She just hadn't really published in it yet. And so she um, kind of opened the door for me by offering me this um, independent study, this semester long independent study where she gave me the space to investigate fandom texts. And so we just started with like the very basics and early fandom was doing ethnography, which is a thing from folklore. So like the, the jump into fandom from folklore was like quite easy actually, because what do you of this, mean by like, they, were do, they were doing eth ethnology or did you say ethnology? Ethnography. Ethnography. So yeah. the, the mapping of ethnic groups by region. Yeah. That's, that's where it stems from. Yeah. So it's like in folklore, it's, it's like studying, um, like I think I would say like cultural groups. And so usually a folklorist or an anthropologist would go to a different culture for a year, study them, write up a little book and then publish it. And that was their ethnography. <laughs> we don't really do that anymore because there are a lot of complications with that. Yes, a lot. <laughs> yeah, a lot of negative things are not great. <laughs> Colonialism. But <laughs> um, we kind of have adopted those models and we still are definitely still interested in like cultural practices. We just don't like go and like talk to a bunch of other people and we're like, hey, you're different. We'll, let's talk about you. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm trying to remember there when there are several famous people that would do, they would publish these books and they're widely I mean, people love them, and but they, they they misconstrued a lot of things because people yeah. were looking at it from their vantage point rather than trying to understand yeah. it from the the people they were studying's vantage point. And you've hit upon the crux of the problem, yeah. That it's you can't um, you can't take away your own cultural folklore, and so <laughs> like you, it's just impossible right. to like understand someone else's culture because you're not in it, and so it will always be um an outside perspective 
Yeah, and I think the problem too is, you know, they treated them as aliens, not as human beings. Yeah, some of them, some of them could be quite bad. (laughs) (laughs) But, but, you know, you could probably say it's kind of akin to what you would see for art illustrations, right? Because they would say, you know, here's a hippopotamus, and we'd look at that, and they're like, that person never saw a hippopotamus. They're just, <laughs> you know, what they're drawing yeah. is what somebody told them a hippopotamus looked like, and that person was wrong. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's the same kind of thing as, you know, you think you're you're drawing a hippopotamus, but you're not really drawing a hippopotamus. You're, you're drawing yeah. some weird construct. And it's about perspective, right? And, you know, like how, you know, how we learn things. And so, you know, if we if we are starting from one perspective, how can we change to another one? And what kind of process that needs to occur. And, you know, and we still, you still are going to fail because you can't be in another perspective. You're always going to be centered in your own. Yeah. And I think the other thing is, but you also have to be willing to accept it as an equal, not an inferior. And I think that's where a lot of those people Mm -hmm. failed is because we're studying an inferior childlike people or whatever it may be, you know, we're advanced and they're not, Mm -hmm. you know, without realizing, well, maybe some ways we are and maybe a lot of ways we're not as advanced as they are maybe they're just really good people and we just lost our humanity along yeah. the way maybe we can yeah. learn a little bit from these people rather than just judging them because they don't have you know this you know you know steam powered yeah. ships or whatever so yeah so, so so they started doing this ethnography so here's a question so on <laughs> fandom yeah. so is there like a secret cabal or of scholars or is there like a a hand sign a hashtag is there like a wink a handshake uh you know a flag in the window is there something that distinguishes like oh there's a fandom scholar or do you like all meet somewhere have a secret (laughs) actually it's not far off that we all meet somewhere in secret (laughs) those are what academic conferences are So that's not, it's not that far off, actually. (laughs) Um, So yeah, so academic, uh, academics, no matter what, uh, what field you're in, they all have to publish stuff in order to keep their jobs usually. Right. And so that is publishing books, publishing articles, and then people go to conferences and talk to other scholars. And so that is definitely, um, like the hallmark of academic work is kind of those sharing those spaces. And then I think with the advent of the internet, um, scholars are trying to utilize online platforms, but um, the institution is still very much centered in these like publishing and these like face-to-face conferences that are really housed in the ivory tower. So, So, but it sounds like it's kind of changing a little bit, but not very fast. I don't, I don't think so. Um, because, because it's been so institutionalized that you have to, you know, meet these tenure requirements. And so, um, I don't know what it would look like if it wasn't like that, but, um, I mean, scholars definitely have just like fans, you know, have like built groups and built um, Facebook groups and social media hashtags and like folklore Thursday is something that is on Twitter that is usually used by academics. So now we can we can study the academics. 
you me could, as a non-academic, I can now. The folklore now. of academics, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you all the ins. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's a secret vocabulary I need to learn because every every group has their own their own lingo. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so then you went so. So you got your doctorate. So then what happens at that point? So then the pandemic happens and <laughs> there doesn't seem to be any jobs. <laughs> so um, so right now I am an adjunct instructor at Eureka College. Oh, okay. And I am editing and looking for more full-time work. Ah, yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> in fact, it's kind of interesting is because you know, I knew I needed somebody to look over my material. So I started out thinking oh, I need a proofreader. Mm -hmm. And then a friend online, she says, well, get pro writing aid. She said, don't pay somebody to do what you should, you can do for yourself. So I think that mm -hmm. helped me through a lot of, of, of the mess that I had. So not all yeah. of it. Obviously <laughs> not all of it. Obviously not all of it. But, you know, there's a certain point where it's like, you know what, I, you know, I know I needed somebody to look it over better. And I knew I was gonna miss it all. And I also did a major rewrite before you started. Mm -hmm. But, um, but so then I was like, you know, I put the call out to the to the internet, you know, <laughs> somebody yeah, help me as you do. Yeah, as you do. And so then, you know, a friend, I think it was it was a Johanna uh, um, White that Yeah, so so I I knew her back when she was just a little girl. So it's just uh, it's just kind of funny because I knew her and Eric, you know, before they got married. So it's just uh, but That's it's funny. kind of funny. So yeah. And so she's like, hey, I got this person, and it's like, oh, so you had the bona fides. I mean, there's no 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 doubt <laughs> had the bona fides to yeah to, to, yeah. to edit my 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 non academic work. <laughs> It, it may have had the dryness of academic work, but it oh, didn't. No. Have... <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> so, so anyway, there are uh, there are different levels of editing. Mm -hmm. So uh, you know, I should have. I kind of wish I had given another proofreading pass before I gave it to you. Uh, but so the proofreading, why I understand, is really not a good term. So there's a point where you just look to to make corrections. So. That's a very basic level. So what are the different levels of editing mm -hmm. that one can have done? Yeah, so kind of, um, I guess one of the earliest stages of editing you could be in is like developmental editing where you bring someone in and you try and um, solidify like the direction the project is going. So that's kind of more about like idea level editing. And then you can get kind of, you can get kind of like editing, I guess it, would be just like kind of like proper, like editing proper, where you're also still looking at like, you're looking at, um, you know, the way that scenes lay out or the way that ideas are playing out across paragraphs or chapters. And so you're still looking at project as like a whole and how it's playing, it, how it's kind of developing across the project. And then you can be looking, you can be looking at like line editing where you're going like line by line and ensuring that the grammar is correct. You are ensuring that um, the syntax makes sense, mechanics make sense. And then you're kind of copy editing where it's like that one last kind of look at, you know, each 
like each word, making sure that each word is like the right one and it all is like moving together. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's definitely good to know those different levels because, you know, if I get my, you know, if my mechanics are off, you're not going to you're not going to catch that. If you're going to say, you know what, your method for handling, you know, this isn't great beyond the language part, as far as just the way the thing's structured, that's not what a, a copy editor does. No, they're really, that's really just about like kind of, you know, English standard, like English standardized language is like where that copy editor co would come in. Right. And, I, and, it, and it seems like, so I think one of the things that made me realize uh, your weight in gold <laughs> was, see, the thing is, is, you know, when you, when I hand this over to you and then I get these corrections, it's like, you know, you, you know, all my dirty, not dirty secrets, but you, you, you know, my, my, my foibles, my weaknesses. Okay. Yeah, I do. I like, do. Like, oh, <laughs> I have a that, document to prove it. <laughs> yeah. And so one of the things I, I did was for this book, it was in, the intent was to have um, a list of names. So it was a sci-fi setting, mm -hmm. but have you ever seen the expanse? No. Okay, so it's a sci-fi so. setting, but it's not far out. And there's some settings where rather than where you may watch Star Wars and you get all these crazy names, it's like, well, these mm -hmm. are real world people. And I thought, well, I can use real world names, mm -hmm. but but also mix in other from other people, not just, you know, Joe and Frank. And so right. I picked Slavic. Um uh I, I picked Slavic, I picked Greek. I think there's like an African, uh, like West African. Asia, I went to Asia, like I think it's Korea and maybe Vietnamese. And then I picked, um, I'm forgetting someone. I can't remember. So, but then, oh, Indian. Mm -hmm. So then I took, went to baby name books and then I, I, I put them in a spreadsheet. I randomized them. I spit them out. And then for two reasons, I didn't, I did, I also, um, so when I put these names in, <laughs> I'm not that great at spelling. And I was so inconsistent. <laughs> <laughs> and these are not like common names. This isn't like me misspelling, you know, you know, uh, Herbert or something like that. These are not names right. common. They're common where they're from, I'm sure, but they're not common, you know, to, to us. Mm -hmm. uh, but you're able to pick when I was flipping I's and E's and putting mm -hmm. an A in the wrong spot. Because what I would do is I would, the first one would be right, then I would do it wrong every time thereafter. Yeah. Yeah. That's when the, that's when the, um, the find function really is helpful because I can see across the document how you're trying to spell it. And if one is an anomaly, so it's not, that's not the right one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think the thing is, is that, you know, if, if you're not good for those kinds of details, you really need somebody else to look at it. Mm -hmm. and, and the thing is, is like, and I thought about this afterwards, I'm like, you know, I'm messing up people's names and it's not really a nice thing, you know, to do that. I mean, it's just not, you know, I, I went through the trouble of putting these names in here, but I, I didn't go through that extra step of, you know, I should have known that I wasn't going to get it right. I should have <laughs> known yeah, it's impossible well, for me, Jeff Jones, <laughs> to do it right. <laughs> well, the thing about that is, um, and I tell my students this too, you know, once you get so far into your project, you know, you like you read you read words by like sight you don't read every letter and so you really need that other person to 
show you when you, cause you know what it's supposed to say, not what it actually looks like. Right. And so you need that extra person to, who doesn't know what it's supposed to say, who's actually looking at what it does say. Yeah. And I think uh, that is definitely true. And I think, um, you know, I found that printing it out actually also helped me catch a lot of errors. Mm -hmm. But I also know there's also a point where I have rewritten that thing so many times. I've gutted it so many times. I fixed it so many times. There's a point where you start hating it. (laughs) Yes. I I know that well. Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so the so that is, I would say, on my list of appreciations, um, that is probably the highest uh, form of appreciation. I really appreciated that. The second yeah. one was you started saying, um, I think your phrase is, uh, let's smooth this out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think when you started, you were kind of you started kind of crouching it like, well, you may want to do this. You may want to do this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's your like, choice, kind of, but. <laughs> later on, it's just like, just, no, you need to smooth this out. <laughs> yeah. Like, I see that this is, um, this is a tick that you have. And so we need to, <laughs> we need to fix that up. <laughs> so when you look at that, so what do you, and I know what you mean, but when you say, let's smooth this out, what do you, what do you mean by let's smooth this out? Yeah, so it can mean a couple things depending on context. So usually um, something is like awkwardly phrased or something is clunky or um, something just like, usually it's kind of this like instinctual. I'm just like, oh, something is just not right here. And so to improve the readability. And so you really want your audience to kind of be immersed in that reading experience and you don't want anything to kind of pull them out because you you want them to keep reading. That's why you wrote the book, right? Right. And so you just want that, you want to maintain that immersive experience. And so anything that feels um, out of place or clunky or could be said more efficiently, I just say like, let's smooth this out. And here is a way that you could do that. Yeah, and, and there, I, you know, there's only been... Uh, and so one of the reasons I think that's also um, the positive point for, for Hire You, because you did not have experience with RPGs. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, you know what, it's kind of nice to have somebody that doesn't go in here with already some sort of preloaded thoughts. Right. And I think there's only one spot where I think there was, I, I kind of chuckle because uh, it, it, I did end up restructuring the sentence because of a different reason, but Mm-hmm. It was the use of tables. And I think you're thinking like gaming table, but I was referring to like the, the, the tables that you generate, the random stuff. Oh. But mm-hmm, but, but I mm-hmm. thought, you know, but that's perfect because you came through this as a person who wasn't a gamer. I could mm-hmm. look at that and say, oh, that wasn't clear. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, okay, that was great. So, so I mean, it's very clear as I was going through all these corrections. And I think that was, that was hard. I really had to like, forced myself to make all mm-hmm. these corrections. Not that I didn't yeah. want to make it, but I mean, it's just like, it's tedious. It's overwhelming. It's, yeah. And, uh, and, uh, <laughs> and so, and I already, I, I did, I, there was no puffery on my part. I mean, I went into this knowing that, you know, there was going to be blood on all these paper. All these, <laughs> I just knew they were going to bleed. And so there was no shock there. I, but there, there are some things I was pleased I, I didn't get blood on, but I mean, but for the most part, oh, the other thing I was going to say is, 
you also uh you didn't um say this but you did also i think do a sort of um sensitivity read as well mm, i did yeah because i use the word uh i think i use the word crippled yes for and my intent was for a person that was unable to walk mm-hmm and then you, I think you said a better word would be, I think it was, was it handicapped? I can't remember what you. I think I probably suggested physical disability. Yeah. And so and that's one I kind of, I kind of, uh, kind of wasn't sure. Mm -hmm. So, but what I realized is I wanted the, um, I want these NPCs, things were written fairly general. So I took out all the, the proper nouns for two reasons, or the, all the pronouns, you know, and replaced it with they for two reasons. One is I didn't want to preload people's ideas. So if they want this to be a male or female, I didn't want, mm -hmm. but the other ones I also didn't want to mess up people's names. Yeah. It's like, okay, that would be very embarrassing. Yeah. But yeah, the thing yeah. is, is I realized that if I remove the, just remove the cripple just, and I can't remember why I put it in its place and just um, use another word that was a more general, it, it would still fit. It could be anything. So if the person was blind mm -hmm. or was not able to walk. And so that was helpful too. So, but I think that was a, a nice thing uh, is that you, you did look it over. I know, I don't think you're uh, a sensitivity reader per se, or what do they call it? Sea reader. Yeah, Are they you? do call it. Yeah. That's a title. Yeah. So do you do sensitivity reads officially or is this something that you just say, I'm kind of aware of these things and mm, you may want to change the wording on this. Yeah. It's a thing that I'm aware of. And so a lot of my research and my work centers around, you know, what we might term like sensitive topics, but like they're not because like everyone is gendered, raced, able-bodied or not as right. able-bodied and so these are things that we just deal with and um, talk about and so in attention to the language that we're using when we discuss these things is um, very important to me and very important in the work that I do and the work that I um, you know scholarship and so all of these things are really important to me and so no matter what I'm doing I always am paying attention to word choice because because it it's never neutral right? Like word choice isn't neutral. And so the words that we choose are important, no matter what it's about. It is. And I think the thing is, is, I mean, there's a couple of things. I think one is we could be inadvertent in and now often are inadvertent in the way that we do mm -hmm. things. And I know for myself, you know, there may be times where it's like, no, I want to choose this for one particular reason or another. But in general, it's like, there's really no point in creating a barrier between somebody else and my work, the way I feel. Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't need that. I don't want that, you know? Yeah. And so it's just, I think as a, as a person producing a product, it's just, it just doesn't make sense if it, it, for, for no, for no good reason. And there may be a good reason to use the word, you know, not saying it cripples never a good word to use, but, but in general, just don't use it unless you have a very mm -hmm. specific reason to do it. And you need to really think about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, like do your reasons match up with your goal? And if like, that's true, then you like, think about, like, think about that <laughs> yeah. relationship. Right. And how it's going to play with your audience and what your goal is for your audience. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, 
I think also, you know, words, so words have changed. So I think a lot of times words that are good words, they were very functional words, then would get misused and they may no longer be good words. <laughs> mm -hmm. So yeah, so language can definitely be appropriated or language can have different connotations in different eras. And, you know, we are always also evolving, you know, as thought evolves, as um, science evolves, as um, we make cultural strides towards inclusivity. And so like all of these changes that are both cultural, social, language-based, it all comes together. And because we communicate through language, language kind of holds all of those things in it. Yeah, and I think the thing is, is like, you know, you can be, uh, let's say older and, <laughs> and you can have a certain vocabulary that is, is maybe was fine at the day. Not, not that it was done pejorative, but then I think what tends to happen is somebody usually takes a, a, a good term and uses it in a very pejorative, bullying way. And then mm -hmm. that word just needs to go away. You know, it's just, it's, yeah. just, it's no longer, you know, there are words we could talk about that in its day had full of innocence. There's right. nothing wrong with them, but now you don't use them. You just don't, you don't say it in a crowd of people. You just don't do it. It's no right. longer. Yeah. You know? And that's like, you know, a respect for that group of people or, you know, whatever. And so, and that's what it comes down to is like, yeah. it doesn't matter if it was, it was innocent. Like it matters now how it's used. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, I did appreciate that. And I think that, you know, Good. depending on the things that you do, I mean, my, what I wrote was pretty, I mean, it, it really is a, uh, I'm not sure if it came across to you, but it's really just a toolkit is all it really was intended. But, but, yeah. you know, but if you're wanting to do something more, especially if you want to include that are things are more cultural uh, based, it's, it, it's, it's very good to try and find somebody to, um, you know, to do some sort of sensitivity read if you can. Mm -hmm. The problem yeah. we face is, you know, when I'm doing, there's very little money. <laughs> There's yeah. <laughs> the scenes, the RPGs, there's so little money, so right. little money that, you know, yeah. it's hard to do all the things you, you quote, should do. Mm -hmm. I'm just was thankful I had the money to pay for somebody to do a, a, yeah. a, a copy, a copy editing pass because, uh, you know, otherwise there's stuff I've put out. It's like, it's, it's, it's got problems, you know, but that's, I, I can't help it. Yeah. Nothing's going to be perfect. Yeah, so and it's, it all depends on how it, you know, lands with the audience and how it grows, you know. So what what's your process? So like mm -hmm. when you you got these, I mean, what was that what was your procedure through this whole th this whole mess? Yeah, so I started with zine 1 and you know, I wanted to sell, I wanted to tell you that you said that zine 3 was going to be like the problem child and it was like definitely not. <laughs> well, the reason is yeah, they're, they're all problem children. <laughs> Well, the, the Zine Two I thought was going to be fine. I thought you're gonna you're gonna hardly touch it, and I opened it up. It's like, ugh. Yeah, yeah. The problem I realized afterwards is that it's I, it was probably more of the line edit or developmental editing, hmm. and and I realized to and, it, and you never promised that, but I realized that's where my main concern was more developmental. Did that make sense? But I realized you're not reading this you are not reading this to understand the totality of what I am putting forth. You are 
reading this just for clarity of the words mm-hmm. in the sentences in the paragraphs. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's really the, those like sentence level mechanics and consistency. Yeah. So I do, I do, um, I do like a couple, um, pages of just reading to kind of see what I'm in for first. And so kind of like set my expectations about things that I want to be sure that I pay attention to. So, you know, like comma use and like spelling consistency and like say word choice. So like, so say those are the big three things that I'm looking for. And so then kind of start back up at the top and just go through it. And so I really, I don't really have like a one thing that I'm reading for. So I just make the changes that I see. And if it's bigger, so say like the whole sentence, I sometimes have to like make a note and come back to it because I don't have a great idea yet about how I feel like that should be fixed. And then, so then I return to those. So then I do like, I did all, I did all three of them over like a few, like probably like five or six days because I was also, you know, doing other things. And so then I put it away for like a day or two just to like kind of clear it out. And because you can fall into a trap again about what you think it is saying versus like what it actually is saying. Right. And so you can fall into that trap. I can fall into that trap too as an editor. And so, um, so then I go back and I check my own work for spelling, consistency, syntax, because that can cause confusion when I'm giving you advice about how to fix something if my own work isn't proofread and all of that. So I'm, I checked each thing that I said by like checking the comment, checking the context of my suggestion and check to make sure that I was making sense in the comment of what I was suggesting. And I made changes on my like next pass about the things that I had suggested. Um, I think I had deleted some things. And so, you know, that's a necessary step for me too, is to come back through. So edit your own editing. Yeah. Yeah. Edit my edits. (laughs) Yeah. And then I sent it the next day. Yeah. It was, uh, and I must say, right when you said you were. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I was thinking that night, I'm like, it showed up. I'm like, oh, it is the eighth. I'm like, it is. I'm like, I don't want to open these. <laughs> I don't, I'm just going to go tonight and pretend they didn't arrive. But yeah. And I end up opening up and, and, and editing it. Like, yeah. I like always want to know when I get feedback, I'm like, what did they say? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I did, but it was just like, it was like six at night and it was just like, Oh, it's just like, I'm going to open this whole thing up. But, but I ended yeah. up cranking through. So the, so the one thing, um, so my side, what 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 wasn't great is not from from your point, but so when I wrote this, I originally wrote this in a Google Doc, mm-hmm. and then I dumped it into uh, a, a Affinity Affinity Publisher, which is a desktop it's layout program. Yeah. And so every edit I did was in there, and then when I I end up getting Pro Writing Aid, but the problem is it's so chunked up there's no way to easily because you copy and paste and you lose your formatting it just yeah it was it was a nightmare it was a nightmare and 
the I think so. What I did is the only way I could give this to you because I assume you don't have pro right or don't have um, affinity publisher. Right. I, I sent it to you as a PDF. Yeah. And the PDF worked kind of mostly okay. There's a couple times yeah. where it's hard to see. So I realized that you know I did not give you. <laughs> I don't think the PDF is the right way to go. So. No. If, if I, <laughs> <laughs> that was the first PDF um, one that I had done as well. So <laughs> okay, so yeah, I, yeah. I recognize that you know it's kind of weird because so what will happen is it, it, this is a very recursive process for me, especially since there's no template. I just this started out mm -hmm. as one thing, turned to another. So this was originally going to be just one zine. Yeah, and I realized no, it's more than one zine, so it became a book. <laughs> And yeah. then it's like, well, what if I take the book and divide it into three zines? And then it just, it just, it just, it's it just the churning and the changing and the morphing just made this whole, mm -hmm. that whole project very difficult. Like yeah. the amount of hours I spent on this is just, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's just ridiculous. That's fine. You. I learned so much, but yeah, it's yeah. here or there. So I realized, I mean, that the, the ideal thing would be is to, it, is to just give you the text before I, I do layout. But the problem is I have to lay it out before I understand how the text works. And it's kind of mm -hmm. a back and forth. So I think the next thing I'm going to do is just do preliminary layouts, but provide, but not provide you a PDF. So if, if I were, if you were to say, you know what, this is the best way, this is the best kind of file to hand you. What, what is the, what is your, your like, this is the preferred way of getting information. My preferred is definitely like a Word document because you have a lot of functionality with their with Word's review function. And so okay. you can track changes and you, so you can track changes with like multiple people as well. So like if you had two editors, for example, um, working with the same document, like, I would be one color, the second editor would be another color. And so you could see the different um, comment structures. So you can do in-text work, you can add in text and you can comment separately. That will be also next to the document. And so I think, and so then, so that's like in the editing side. And then once you receive it again, you can accept or reject those changes. So like, so if I put a comma in there, you can accept or reject it. You don't have to put it in yourself. I already did that for you. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it was so much work. It, it was so much work. It was, it, it, uh, it's not your fault. It's just, this is like, it's just like, and like the, so it's got like a little, um, it's got like a, um, like a word, not really a word balloon, but almost like a comic book word balloon that kind of highlights yeah. the area where that is. Yeah. Sometimes those things get moved around and it's just like, Meh. it's very hard. Cause it's like on the document in front of the text. And yeah. so just sometimes to see it, you have to like move it around. And so I tried to be like really specific about where it was placed, but if it was like insert an apostrophe here. Like you hope that like that bubble would be like exactly where <laughs> it needed to be. So I tried to like say, okay, make an apostrophe here so it reads like this so you would like know exactly what i meant yes and i think it would also forced you to do sometimes you had to re you had to put part of the sentence that wasn't getting corrected so that i would have context of where the the correction starts to take place exactly exactly yeah <laughs> I just, 
<laughs> that, wow, this is just so inefficient. <laughs> yeah, so yeah inefficient. it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was. <laughs> so, so the number one, your your number one numero uno is give it to you in Word. Yeah, I mean, or like Google Docs has like very similar functions, but I just um. I like the kind of closeness, I think, of like the Word doc because the Google doc, the comment goes outside of the document. And I don't know, I, I just like, I like the closeness of the comment because it just feels like it's easier to see. Yeah, I'll remember for the next, the next one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I guess the other thing is, is there... You know, as far as your side of things, I mean, because, you know, obviously, as as the even on the customer, there's no point in me putting anything that is a um, that creates unnecessary work for you. Um, what what sort of thing? Is there anything else that you would recommend or say, hey, this or that? Do you mean in terms of like the process of editing? Yeah, like, for instance, the way things should be handled or handed to you or. I mean, do you prefer like, you know, the email or just do it online? Is there, is there anything like you say, this is to you the gold standard of ease of, of, of making this whole process better for everybody? Yeah, I think just like uh, changing the format would be ideal. And so like if you're not, so line editing is pretty like straightforward, but if you're doing other kinds of editing, like you want more editorial input, um, so I've worked with like, so especially this is important with my like college essay editing that you have to like say how much editing you as the consumer are willing to do um, to like, so you didn't say that you were like, I don't want to do any kind of this, like this specific editing or whatever, like I, this has to be kept. And so um, like, if you're looking for broader changes, then that will need to be communicated. Um, so if you're looking for an editor like that, or um, if so something that I do for like teaching, if I'm do, working with students is like, you need to tell me kind of specific areas that you want me to focus on so I can make sure and hit those things. And so, you know, if you have specific things that you want, um, just like communicating those and having an awareness of like where you think your project is can, al can always be helpful to you when you're working with an editor because you have an awareness of what you think you need. And the editor, you know, with brings in that expertise and is like, here's what I think you also need. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Here's what you don't think you need, but yeah. you need. Yeah. By the you way, you, don't need. you may want to smooth this sentence out. <laughs> yeah, let's just smooth this out. <laughs> and I always try and be like, you know, we're working on this together because we're both invested in this project. And so, you know, like we, this is like a collaboration, really. Yeah, and I don't, I never really got fully negative, but there is a certain feeling after you get these things full of red, you think, like, <laughs> why am I writing it? Like, I, I, yeah. why am I then, but then I, I stop and I think, I thought, Jessica could not have written this. Right. You could not have written this. I can't write it well, but you could have written, you know, the, the main stuff. So it's like, it's like, no, the, I bring something to this, but there is a certain point where you look at all this and you're like, my goodness, I don't understand commas. I do not understand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think, you know, it, it's hard. And I think, 
I think you know I was I knew I was going to get bled on. I mean, so I it was it was fine, <laughs> but there still is that little bit. But I mean, I think the thing is that you know it's hard to put yourself out and receive criticism, and I think that's true for yes. for a lot of people. And there is a podcast I listened to, started listening to, is now Edit Your Darlings. It's a Kill mm -hmm. Your Darlings. She marked out the uh, kill. Yeah. And she, yeah. she interviews this person. This person edits her own work heavily because she doesn't like anybody else editing it because she gets sick to her stomach and cries after somebody does it. She's a published author, does quite well, but she's like, yeah. you know, she goes through like three days of, of like, you know, so I, I realized like, okay, it's not just me, but everybody has no. a difficulty with that. And I think the thing is, it's like, I would much rather that you point out my mistakes <laughs> than somebody who, who shelled out money, who waited mm -hmm. for this to say, could you not have just read this through one more time or whatever? It's like, right. you know, that's, that's why I think you need, we need to think about, you know. Yeah. It feels like it's a personal attack because you put so much work into it and it was so hard to do. And then you got to this place where you're really happy with it. And then someone comes in and is like, all of this is terrible. Fix it all. And it feels heart crushing. And well, I completely I, like, understand that. I feel like I was in sixth grade. It's just like, really, have I not advanced? And I really yeah. not. <laughs> yeah. I think it's because I knew I was bad, but just it's just you realize how bad or how many it's in. And, and to be fair, not everything that you recommended was necessarily a a um, a, a necessarily a uh, cut and dry problem. But right. what you said is, you know what? This makes it more clear. It's like okay, why not? Yeah. Why, why and would I? You question need that it? extra pair of eyes to see that. Well, and I, and I know for myself, I, you know, it, it, probably maybe everybody does, but I think we, I overcomplicate or maybe do weird stuff with sentences. I mean, it's just, it's, you know, it's just the nature of also, it's, yeah. you know, I noticed when I edit stuff too, it's like, there's some stuff I realized it didn't make any sense because I cut down words and then I, I left the wrongs, I, mean, I left portions of other things. And it's just like, no wonder this made no sense. <laughs> yeah yeah sometimes you can you know you get lost in a sentence and or you're trying for something stylistic and but it ends up muddying the message of that sentence and so I definitely see that a lot um and so that is also not just a you problem that is like um it can be a lot of reasons it can be like you're unsure about the direction that it's going and you're kind of hesitating or you are trying for like this stylistic fancy thing or, you know, it could be any number of reasons, or you're, you're trying to sound a certain way because you think that that's how you should communicate with the audience. And so like, you see that a lot with like student papers who they try, you know, use thesaurus and find um, big words to replace ones that they think <laughs> they think are not appropriate for the paper, but you're just like, you know, just say it in a straightforward way and communicate effectively. And that is actually going to be the best way that you can write this. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's hard. It's hard because sometimes, you know, you're trying to, it, it feels like you're trying, to, at least for me, sometimes the situation is kind of complex and you only have maybe a, a couple sentences to, to put that complexity down, right. but you don't want it to, the other thing, I mean, it was hard. I mean, was the stripping out of the, of the, of the, of the, um, 
singular pronouns, uh, third person pronouns. That was, that made a lot of hit. It was a lot of like, you know, brain twisting to make that work out. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're themselves themselves. But, but yeah, but well, not just be that because they're in relationship to other people. Then it's like, well, now the they is going to get confused with that they, or then you know, yeah. who's which they are they talking about? Then then do you, you just the repeat proper, the name. Then you repeat the name, but then people are like, why do you keep repeating the name? It's just like it's yeah. just like it, so. There's that balance, which is hard because I mean, there was over two hundred. Well, not quite. I think it's like one hundred ninety names in there, unique yeah. names. So, yeah, mm -hmm. and it was just like. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that was uh, that was definitely a thing. So uh, yeah, and, and I think it's it's hard it's hard to know. I to you know I think there are many ways of finding um, uh, copy editors. Uh, I think like Upworks mm -hmm. is one. Are you on Upworks? I was, but then um, I got too much into my dissertation, and so that's been like a year out that I have been not been on Upworks. So Upworks is one, I think there's, yeah. uh, but it's not always, I like for instance, I, I imagine the college level, it's it's pretty easy because you're all academics say, hey, I need a copy editor. And, oh yeah, I had, you know, Stacey did this for me a year ago, did a great job or, you know, you know, Bill over here, whatever. I mean, it's been, yeah. it's, but we're just kind of floating around space, not knowing who to ask. And, and it was, yeah. you know, quite substantial. So but you are available for, for copy. I editing. am. I'm available. <laughs> <laughs> Hit me up. <laughs> I will say that uh, you're, you were, um, so the, uh, just to be clear, you, you wanted your money up front, which is fair because yeah. you didn't want to get stung, which is fine. And, you know, and I, I think because, <clears throat> because I, I knew Johanna, it's like, yeah, she knew yeah. you. I'm like, I'm not going to yeah. worry about it. You yeah. Know. She's known me since I was a kid too. <laughs> yeah. Oh really? So yeah, um, that's cool. She uh, so yeah. So I because I had another artist, what another artist? You're not an artist. Well, maybe you are, but I didn't pay you to do art. Not for this, right? <laughs> yeah. Not for this one. So the cover artist, he uh, he kind of like I paid him half, and he got three quarters done, and then and then like flaked out, and like mm. so he was in another on another continent, and just like just like like just weird blip and was home. I mean, I went homeless. I mean, my heart went out to this, this person. I mean, it wasn't just yeah. like, they just like, eh, I don't feel like doing did you do more? It was no, like they just, they, they, they imploded catastrophically. Like, I, I felt bad, you yeah. know, but at the end they pulled through, you know, yeah. and it was just fine. But I mean, but you know, there's that, you know, I, I paid him half, but, you know, I still had something because he gave me. I could. I thought nothing else. I still have what I have. But, but yeah. anyway, there's a certain amount of trust, and so honestly, there is. Yeah. You, 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 uh, you wanted up front. You gave yes. me a date that you're going to give it to me by. You yep. gave it to me on that date. <laughs> I did. <laughs> and there was that happened. And then it was fully edited. There was plenty yep. of red ink. Everything was well thought out. <laughs> uh, there was no problems. Um, oh, everything good. was clear. <laughs> I didn't have to go back to you and say, Jessica, what do you mean by there is none of that? I would say that oh, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, oh, it was good. affordable because it's it's hard because we don't have a lot of money, but you know, you, you make money. Um, so you, you're not gonna do it for free because obviously it's not charity. So, but for anybody that's wanting um, copy editing done, um, so they, I'll uh, have your information in the show notes. 
but yeah. it, uh, they can also you're also Googleable because your last name uh, is it. I'm going to see talked about beforehand. Is it Doble? Yes. Okay, I did right. Doble, yeah. Doble, Doble. Yes. Uh, Doble, not Doble. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so if you just because your name is pretty uh, not real common, so I think it shows right. up there too. So you're pretty easy to Google. Easy to find. Yeah. yeah. So in, in all the social cool. media too. In all, yes. So on the on the Twitters and whatever else. So yeah. information. So what? Are, so you're also working on a book. I am working on a fantasy novel, actually. And so I'm writing it right now. It's in very early stages. So I might need my own developmental editor. (laughs) (laughs) It's very early. And now I'm rethinking, you know, when you're writing a story, you know, you have to pick your starting point. And so I had a starting point that I knew I wanted. But now I'm thinking maybe I need to start earlier. But then that takes away one of the cards that I wanted to play. And so you really have to, you know, what cards are you holding? What card are you going to play at what time? So it's very, it's in very early stages of like mapping out the narrative right now. Well, that's, that's very neat. Yeah. And one of the things with that podcast I was listening to was, you know, even editors needing editors to edit. Yeah, we do. It's like you can't, and, and also everybody has their own strengths too. So. Yes. Yeah. And people, you know, I can tell like almost like right away, like by like sentence structure, like what kind of like writing like ticks people have. And so we all have our writing ticks. Like some people like use like moreover, like all the time to transition. And so sometimes you're like, no, no moreover, less over. <laughs> no like, more, moreover. <laughs> yeah. Moreover, no moreover. No <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so we all, we all have those, um, because we all have our styles, right? Because our, our writing voices are very distinct. And so, you know, you, you need someone else to point out that, you know, this isn't really working in this section, that style that you have. Well, I think for for the non, we'll say the non-writers, more academics, we, we non-academics, maybe we probably write more like we speak and you can get by with a lot when you're speaking. But when you're writing, yeah. you, cannot, you cannot get by with that slot. Nope. <laughs> Nope. Got to gotta be efficient, <laughs> coherent. Got to do it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so anyway, thanks again, Jessica. I really appreciate you joining me. I really appreciate the, uh, the copy editing work you've done. And, uh, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was really fun. All right. Take care.